Welcome to the Sparked Podcast, a place to keep your spark bright. Here I've brought together my most powerful tips from the last decade plus partnering with small businesses on all things leadership, mindset, people and culture. Here my approach combines intuitive psychology, strategy, neuroscience and results-based coaching to unlock your highest potential. Step into your power and truly own your role as a leader so that you can spread the positive impacts of your purpose-led work everywhere. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a mindset and performance coach for purpose-led leaders. I'm a mama to two cheeky little munchkins. I'm a wine appreciator, nature-obsessed, stubbornly optimistic child at heart, and I'm here to inspire belief in what's possible for you because it is all so possible. I hope that this podcast leaves you feeling lighter, more inspired, and more ready than ever to go out there and take actions on your big dreams and vision. I can't wait to dig in. See you in the podcast. So excited to introduce our next guest, Diana Todd. Diana Todd is my accountant and um, I have known her for, I guess, like a year and a half now. And so she's a registered tax agent and she's the founder of Balance Tax Tax Accountants, which is an online accounting firm specializing in creative and online and entrepreneurial industries. They are just like one of a kind balance tax. They, from the get go, they like took the stress out of all of my tax. Um, They have like the most incredible streamlined like education and systems. And they're just all about, I don't know, like making finances and making tax easy and really like empowering small business owners to get control of their business finance. She, the thing with like Diana is like, she just opened up my eyes to a completely different energy to money and finances. You'll you'll hear in this interview, she's just such a ray of sunshine. She is such a beautiful soul. From the get-go, you just feel so warm and supported, like in her, like really warm and, and sparkly energy. She makes you feel so supported and so seen. And yeah, she's got a really interesting story and perspective on business and on money and on building wealth and attracting more. I can't wait for you to hear this podcast interview. Um, yeah, it's a bloody goodie and I reckon we could have just talked for hours. So enjoy. Um, I'll see you in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Hello, Diana Todd. So lovely to have you here. It has, it has been something that I've just been so, so excited for to welcome you onto the Spark podcast today. And I feel like what I'm seeing right now for the, for the listeners out there who are only listening on audio is exactly the representation that I have of you in my head, which is just this like radiant, white, glowing, beautiful ray of sunshine. And you've even got like a white podcast mark. I'm like, yes, you are my like financial angel accountant right that's right <laughs> straight from heaven hello everyone oh <laughs> thank you so God. much for having me emma <laughs> oh my gosh our absolute pleasure and i'm sure you can even hear in diana's voice she's got like just the most sweetest voice and um one thing that i talk a little bit about in the intro is just how you completely like changed my whole perception and 
and I guess like feeling an energy towards money mm-hmm. and accounting and finance and just made it so easy and lovely and I just felt so supported through the whole process and it just felt like such a different a different feeling to what I had ever had in the past around finances and accounting thank you yes no 100% that's I think the biggest compliment that anyone could ever pay an accountant and it's a big reason and part of why I just decided to show up and say you know what I'm going to create my own accounting firm and it's because I knew there was people like you out there who really just were had anxiety around money finances didn't know where to begin felt overwhelmed and I was like it doesn't have to be that way and someone just needs to step up and and share this message you know so I decided seven years ago it's gonna be me (laughs) oh my god that is amazing and that is exactly what I would love to dive into even further with you today and that is like getting to hear about what sparked you to do what you do and actually before we jump into that because I definitely want to talk about your story like one of the things that I just love and maybe it's like a personal curiosity um from me because I've got such an interest in psychology and just like understanding like you know what what shaped us even from childhood I'd love to hear a little bit about like your childhood and I guess like what um yeah what you'd like to do as a kid or what you were like as a kid and how you feel like what you were like as a kid shaped who you are today and what you do today Mm. Sure. So I actually grew up in a very religious environment. My parents were very religious. I was one of those kids that was in church six out of seven days a week. And not only did we attend church every day, I also attended the school that was related to the church or affiliated with the church. And so I was spending a lot of my childhood in the same complex in the same building, same property for the first 18 years of my life. And I, the religion aside from that was, was one thing. Um, but one thing that as a kid, when I look back, I just remember always wanting to be better than the boys. And I think it's because in in traditional Christianity, religion, I just saw all of these opportunities and I was only five years old at the time, six, seven years old. Okay. Like I didn't understand, I didn't see, you know, but what, even in that young age, I saw that the boys were given opportunities that the girls were not. And I didn't understand why. And I really felt like we were all human and why should gender matter um, in that way and so that just kind of put this fire inside of me as a kid to always want to whatever I did be better than the boys and that's where it started (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh that's so interesting so interesting and so what what did that evolve into for you so that that fire in um I'm hearing like a little bit of a competitive spirit perhaps, which I can totally relate to. I've got two older brothers that are like 10 years older than me. So I was always like, you know, comparing myself to the boys and thinking I could be just as good as them, if not better. And yeah, so tell me, tell me a little bit about, yeah, what that sparked into. So 
as I got older, I just saw that, you know, I, I just remember being on the playground and, you know, one, two, three, ready, ready, everyone. It's time for recess or free time. So the boys would all run into the fields and I'd be like just behind them trying to catch them. Cause I'm like, I can run just as fast, if not faster than them. And, and I guess that has really carried forward into my professional career because while it wasn't intentionally to be better than the boys, the finance and accounting world is a very traditionally male dominated industry. And I think that if I didn't have that experience growing up, then I probably would have shied away from wanting to start a business in the accounting industry because I would have been intimidated or I would have been scared or felt like I wasn't enough or didn't have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I guess that childhood um, experience made me realize that I definitely have a seat at the table and my business isn't about being better than the boys. It's about serving our customers and we're very customer focused and customer centric, but it's just really interesting how it's translated into that. <laughs> That's so interesting. So interesting. And I guess like what was coming up for me as well, when you spoke that out was, I mean, I think I can speak for a lot of people out there in like before perhaps learning about a different way of viewing money or, or managing your finances, the, the traditional concept of finances, yes, is like quite masculine, is um, does have that real kind of like hard um, efficiency, productivity, KPIs. I don't know, like that kind of, I guess, more like male sort of feel to it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, is has that kind of like transpired a little bit into like, I guess what you wanted to create within your business is, is kind of like bringing, bringing that balance. to Yeah. Because the thing is, like you said, you're absolutely right. The traditional approach to viewing business money and finances in general is really comes from masculine energy. I feel like, and while we now can bring a new flavor or a new view, a new perspective to business money and inject a healthy dose of feminine energy into it and do it well and also have successful AF businesses. Yeah. They it's almost as if we can't ignore the fact that the what what the status quo is or the structures that are currently in place because right. these are the boundaries, these are the rules. Sure, like we recognize that, but we don't have to do it that way. That's not the only way. That's not the best way. And the way that we show up for our business money really matters. And it doesn't have to be playing by all the traditional rules. Like sure, there's right and wrong. However, the way that you show up for your business money can be with a different energy. And I think that's where the feminine, the feminine, divine feminine comes through yeah. <laughs> in my business and in what I do. Tell me more about that, that new flavor, that new energy that you want to bring to, or all that you do bring through your business. So you, you mentioned it's like a little bit more of that sort of like divine feminine energy. Yeah. Tell, tell me about how you guys are different or the different energy that you bring. So traditionally, we were taught in school that math class, if you think about maths, that one plus one equals two, or there's a certain way to solve an algebra equation, right? And sure, there is a right answer and a wrong answer, but maybe there's a couple of different ways that you can arrive at that answer. And the way that one, one methodology of 
doing maths or solving an equation isn't the only one or the only way to get the right answer or the best answer. And that's where I just kind of view your perspective of how you show up for your business money is doesn't have to be the traditional way and the way that we have been taught. So you don't have to sit down and be good at math to be a good business owner. You don't have to understand algebra and complex equations in order to make money in business. You can show up and flow, show up with inspiration, with creativity, with expansion, abundance mindset, and have a wealthy, successful business. And all of these examples, at least when I think back to growing up of successful business owners, there was always a man in a suit and a tie, <laughs> you know, um, doing deals over, you know, um, the, ta- the boardroom table. But look yeah. at the way business actually looks now. Does anyone, when's the last time you sat at a boardroom table? <laughs> When the, I can't remember the last time it probably would have been back in my corporate days uh, when I sat at the boardroom table and it doesn't business doesn't have to be that way. And it's almost as if times have evolved. And so to not be flexible and grow and show up for how things are done now would be doing ourselves a disservice as business owners. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent. Personal question for you. I mean, this is a personal podcast, right? So (laughs) um, how do you show up for your money? So with intention and with fire and with fun, okay? Intention, fire, and fun. And I don't know, that just like came out. So it's not even like- It's not even like a foundation of a program or anything. I'm watching, okay. But like with intention means that I have built money habits into my everyday routine. So whenever I'm at work, the first thing I do is I open my zero file and I reckon, and I do my bank rack and I run the reports to see what the numbers look like. So that way I don't just know how much money came in. I can tell you where the money went. I can tell you how much we're tracking against last month or against the last four months in business. So it's, it's, not enough to just know what is in your bank account. You need to know the ins and the outflows of money and how, what you're doing in your marketing, in your service delivery, how that impacts cash flow. So definitely intention. Uh, Fun, because I think that like, I like to have a stack of dollar bills on my desk at all times. So I've got them right here. And And dollar bills. I just really want the universe to know that I'm very comfortable with money that I'm willing to accept more. I've got, I've got plenty, but I'm more than happy to, you know, have it rain into my business bank account. And I trust myself to hold that abundance. And so little things like that, where making money fun, like having dollar bills around me all the time. And I also incorporate this into a lot of our videos. So whenever I record videos for clients, I'll always have the dollar bills and flash them out and celebrate them and their business successes. And it's just adding an element of fun to something that is actually a quite serious <laughs> topic in life. Um, yeah. It doesn't have and, to be, right? Yeah, it's so true. So true. So um, so yeah, it's just these really little habits that I start, I would have started more than a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And I started small and I just kept layering on top of it. And I'm like, okay, what is the life and how is it that I want to show up? Um down the track and what small steps can I take now in order to get myself to that level, to feel, to trust myself, to hold it, to feel safe with that level of wealth, with that level of abundance. Um, yeah. So it's a journey. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's I a love money that. journey. 
<laughs> oh yeah but aren't, aren't they all so I, I love that what you've just said and I just want to like take a little mini back step so you said you you cast your mind forward to like where you want to be in the future and how you want to feel around money mm-hmm. and then almost kind of um you know work backwards from there like what are some of the little things that I would have need to have learned along that journey or changes that I would have need to have made or habits that I would have need to instilled in order for me to be at that future point? Sure. So there is no right or wrong way, first of all, because everyone has a different view of what success looks and feels like to them, right? So the first step would be to really understand what it is that lights you up and where it is that you want to go, right? After you figure that out, then you want to take steps back. So for me, one small thing that I started doing, this was nine years ago now, is I would always be, um, I always was moving. I moved probably in Australia. I've been in Australia for 11 years now, and I've probably moved house 10 times in 11 years. And a lot of that was when I first got here because we were renting apartments and different things like that. We weren't sure how long we were staying. So there was like short-term leases. And so we didn't buy nice cutlery and plates and things like that, white goods for our home. It was always mismatched stuff, whatever we could get or whatever was available. And I said to myself, you know what, when, when you go over wealthy people's homes, they have a matching dining set. They'll have the bowls, they'll have the cups, they'll have the plates. And I found this artist at a Fremantle called Beste Ogan, and I absolutely love her work. And she has this pebble mar- marble series that she makes by hand um, ceramic dinnerware. And so I started investing in buying her pieces eight years ago. And now I have this set. So every time I sit down to have a meal in my home, it feels luxury because I'm looking at beautiful tableware. I'm eating off of it. It elevates the experience. How many times do you eat a meal at home? Like imagine the level of luxury. It's just stepping it up one notch, you know, and this is just an example of how I did it um, and where I started from. And it definitely took a while to get to this point, but now it's just my level of enjoyment is so much higher because of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what else? <laughs> what else could I level up? Because we are Probably. not here to struggle. We are here to live our absolute best lives, to be successful, to be abundant, to enjoy, to have fun. That is why we are here on this earth. And to not show up for that would be doing a disservice to this gift called life that we've got today. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I just want to soak in that, that particularly those last like couple of sentences there, they are absolute truth. And you said them with your whole body, mind and soul and energy there, right? Like, I feel like I just want to like grab that and squish it and quote it and like put it on Twitter and all of the different <laughs> things. That is so beautiful and so awesome. And I think that's where I really want to ask you like, where the hell did this passion come from? Like what, what was that spark that led to you pursuing this direction? Was it, was it an area that you were, you were always interested in from the get-go? Um, how did it emerge? Tell me about that, that story for you. Sure. So I wasn't always this way. I will say like when I grew up, I was like, 
every average person. I was probably, I would describe myself as I had a bit of a princess complex. I mean, I was named after Princess Diana after all. And so I grew up every single day with my parents telling me that I'm a princess. And after hearing it for a number of years, you kind of start to believe that actually maybe I am a princess, you know, (laughs) so I had a little bit of a complex and I was not as aware of others around me and things like that. Um, until I had an experience where I met a really wonderful guy back in 2009, we fell in love. And two years later, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which is blood cancer. And he fought that battle for about 18 months. And it ended in a failed stem cell transplant in 2013. And losing him along with just watching him go through that journey and being his primary caretaker through that made me realize that there is more to life than what you can get. (laughs) It's more about what you can give because I look back on that experience and I think about all of the nurses, all the doctors, all the friends, all the family that really stepped in and supported and held us through that experience. And even after for me, uh, recovering and dealing with this new sense of normal and going through grief, which by the way, never really ends. You just kind of adjust to this new sense of normal. And it's just... I just can't help but want to give back. And so that experience was very life-changing for me because I don't think I would have seen it. I wouldn't have realized. I wouldn't have been able to be snapped out of the princess complex, if you would, any other way. (laughs) So interesting. Wow. Isn't it it just, just so interesting how life, universe, whatever you want to call it, Throw, throws these like weird challenging wonderful in some ways challenges at us that we never would have realized could shape us into the humans that we are today and mm-hmm. the the purpose and the mission that it then creates for our lives and, and and businesses and careers and and what we then want to give back as like wow that's that's massive and it sounds like it really it really shaped you and and I I can't even imagine how much that would change a person and change their perceptions and perspectives on not only themselves but on life and how cool is that that it then I guess set a trajectory for what you wanted to do and what you wanted to give and and how you wanted to serve. A hundred percent. And I found myself after that experience coming back to my job because I was, I had a job at the time. And I remember sitting in that office cubicle thinking to myself, wow, I've just watched the love of my life go through this really tragic battle, which could happen to anyone at any time because there was nothing that he did wrong. He didn't deserve it. It was just bad luck, really, um, because it could happen to anyone. And then it just made me really realize that, wow, each day really is a gift. And so am I living up to what I want, you know, um, in this in this day? Is this the best use of my time? Is this the best use of my energy? And that's when I just couldn't sit in the office cubicle anymore working for a big corporate company, because I was like, I just am not creating the impact that I want to see in people's lives. And what can I do with my skill? Because at that point, I had worked in the accounting industry for 15 years. What can I do with the skills that I have to help people? 
And that's when I said to myself, you know what? There is not a small business tax accountant out there who speaks in the everyday language of entrepreneurs in a way that they can understand in a way that's not scary. Even now you look on socials and a lot of the accounting firms, it's all about fear mongering. Even the ATO themselves have taken this approach. It's all about you're going to get fined or if you don't do the right thing, bad things will happen to you. And that is just not helpful. (laughs) That is not helpful. If you actually want people to love money to to not have anxiety around lodging a tax return on time that is not the way to deliver the message that is not the way and there is a better way (laughs) and that's what I created through balanced tax accountants (laughs) oh my gosh that is amazing so what is so first of all have you always loved finances from the get-go like what made you choose to to study that or to move into that in the first place? Was it always Uh, a passion area or did you just kind of fall into it? My, my mother actually worked for a law firm in DC and she was in the HR department and she got me an internship when I was in uni working in the accounting department of the law firm. And that's where it all started. And I just really enjoyed it. And it was the most basic accounting role doing accounts payable, which is the very bottom of all of the accounting jobs out there, like the most basic, like where you would start. And I just found that I loved it so much and just wanted to learn more and like how to do accounts receivable and then how to do general ledger and then how to do financial reporting and then taxes. And it just kind of built from there. But yeah, that's how I fell into it. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I you strike me as, as the sort of person who has a bit of like a, a natural curiosity and passion for life and like, who knows, it, whatever you would have been thrown into, I'm sure you would have absolutely loved and probably come out the other side of it. Still this, you know, um, this ray of sunshine, just wanting to like help people in and give back to the world. And um I want to take like a little mini step back um, to when you were talking a little bit about your childhood, actually, and sharing that you and your family were, were deeply religious, like going to church six or seven days a week. Do you still consider yourself religious now or like what what is your your belief system? So I would say I'm spiritual, but not necessarily religious or non-denominational, if you would. Um, So I definitely believe in a higher power. Actually, I believe that all of the different religions point to the same thing. We just call it different ways, whether it's God, whether it's Allah, whether it's spirit, whether it's the universe, mother nature, um, that we're all actually just referring to the same thing through different perspectives and different belief systems and lenses. And yeah, so I would, I would describe myself now as spiritual, not religious, mainly because when I was growing up, the level of guilt tripping in religion was just so real. And it took me years to work through that and let go of that because that's how I found the environment I was in growing up would influence behavior is they would guilt trip you. They would tell you what the rules are. If you weren't following the rules and there would be punishment or there'd be exclusion or something. So, um, but something inside of me told me that after I was in uni and I could be an adult and do what I wanted to do with my time in my life, that that wasn't necessarily the best way for me. So while other people choose that path, that's completely fine and whatever works for them, totally cool with that. But for me personally, I just didn't align with the level of 
control and like, I should want to do good things because I want to do good things. Not because I'm told I have to, to get points, to get into heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. When, mm. did, when did that start? When did that start to make itself shown or known to you? It would have been after I moved out of my parents' house and I went to uni because in the United States, that's where I grew up. The it's very common for you when you go to university to go away from home. And so I went a couple states over. It was like a four or five hour drive from where I grew up, where I went to university and lived in the college dorms and yeah, had the university experience. And I think that's where I had the freedom to be who I wanted to be and show up as the person like and just evaluate like, oh, okay, like I've been through this conditioning the last 12 years of school. Like, is that really something that I want to carry forward? Is that what aligns with what I believe? <laughs> Not just what I've been told to believe. And I think that the questioning started there and it was this shedding <laughs> and yeah. surrendering um, of all of those beliefs and that conditioning for it. It's lasted five, probably five good years. I had a really great therapist. <laughs> Amazing. Definitely a therapy. therapists out there. <laughs> I was in therapy for years. Um, But yeah, I had a really great therapist who helped guide me through all of that. And yeah, it really, I have a lot to thank him for. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of hard work, but I'm really happy that I did it in my early 20s. And by the way, the work, self-development, it really doesn't ever end. (laughs) No, no, it's just new level, same devil, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that saying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A hundred percent. And oh, I'm just so, so glad that you brought that up because um, gosh, I don't know, like I, I just feel like the journey of our life is that unraveling process of discovering who we were before the world told us who we should be and, Mm. you know, uncovering and, and, and really meeting our, our true selves and the, the real self that, is underneath all the layers of the onion that we have to slowly but surely peel back and a hundred percent each of those layers takes time and shedding and releasing and surrendering but it is one of the best processes that any human can go through when they're ready to Mm. to start to shed those layers because the layers are there for a reason right like we don't put the layers in place for no reason they're they were probably put there at who knows what age in order to help us feel safe and protect Mm. us and all the different things. A hundred percent. And I even remember being in that religious environment growing up, I just had to do what I had to do to survive in a way. Mm. Like, cause if I didn't listen to the teachers or if I didn't follow the rules or whatever, then I would be ostracized or I would be punished or this or that. And so in a way it kind of, I don't know. I feel like I was almost like, I knew that I was following the rules because I had to, not because I wanted to. And I think that that is what just that awareness is what led to the questioning when I got older and out of that environment. Um, Not that it was bad. um, Cause I know a lot of people grow up in religious environments and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it just wasn't for me. (laughs) But I I love the really subtle shift that you just mentioned in there that for you, it became about shifting from uh, like having to do these things to be good to, I want to do these things in order to be good. Like Mm. The, the shift from should to want. Yeah. So cool. It's a big so, one. 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I guess like um, talking a little bit about new level same devil, I, I'm curious to hear because I think everyone's got one, right? Everyone's got that sneaky limiting belief or that that little mindset blocker that if we're not conscious, we can slip into unconscious default mode, right? Yeah. Um, what what's what's your limiting belief mindset blocker what's been the thing that you've you've kind of been working hard to to overcome Uh, the best example I could give is when I built the business up to the point that I could quit my corporate job and I remember that I had been running my business for two and a half three years while I was working in my job and it's and I even had employees I had a part-time office before I quit. And so I used the way that I started my business is I used the funding from my salary for my corporate job to invest in building balanced tax accountants. And so by the time I quit my job, and then it was kind of like I had this, okay, like the money has been coming in, obviously, I've been paying wages for the last two years, part-time casual, obviously, of course, I didn't have full-time employees back then, but I was like, okay, after I quit my corporate job and I don't have that safety net anymore, that funding, then is there going to be enough? And so my limiting belief was more around scarcity and around, will the money continue to come in? And I just had to sit back and say, you know what, Diana, like, there's no reason why it wouldn't continue to come in and not only that, but grow based on all of the momentum that you have created and all the energy you've put into it and the intention and the way that you have shown up for the business, for the clients for the last three years. So why is that all going to stop now? If anything, it's going to compound and, and, um, and build even quicker because you're not going to be mentally split between a job and your business. It will just be your, your mind will be free to be dedicated to your business. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so working through that scarcity mindset was really, that was, that was a really hard one. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, what did, what did I do to do that? I just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept doing what I had always done because I was yeah. like, well, what I've been doing for the last couple of years has been working. So why would I change? If anything, I'm always one for feedback and continuous improvement and, you know, things like that. But anything that elevates the customer experience, I will, I'm not afraid to change things in order to deliver better experience. But yeah, it's kind of like if I've gotten this far, then I'm not going to fail now. So it's just trusting myself to carry. And I remember um, two months after I quit my job, I hired my first two full-time employees. So not only did the business need to sustain my wages, it also needed to sustain those two as well. And um, yeah, and it was the best thing I ever did. The scariest thing and the best thing I ever did. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Celebrating you a hundred percent. The leap, right? The big leap. Um, I'm curious to hear how do, how do you feel like that scarcity mindset is for you now? Uh, I, I, it's still there a little bit, but it's much quieter. (laughs) I have seen firsthand in my own business, like what's possible, um, if I put my mind to it and I really feel like the journey of entrepreneurship, really, if there's anything that you come out the other end, if you've built a successful business, then you know how to make money. And so, and that can look 
a thousand different ways, right? So that is a skill that you will always have and you will always carry forward that you'll never lose. And so I I would dare say that like the, the level of trust I have in myself is very, very high. <laughs> oh, so good. So yeah. good. Which takes time, right? That's it's like a muscle, that self-trust muscle. But once it's there, you know, it takes a while for it to to move away unless mm. you don't exercise it, right? <laughs> for sure. And then I have all of this beautiful social proof surrounding me in my business, just because Sorry. of the nature of the work that we do. Mm. I'm able to see behind the scenes of what is on a business's marketing social media pages yeah. and see the actual numbers and see that I'm not the only one who's building a wealthy, successful business. There's, there's thousands of others, literally. And so it's very possible. And I think that, that, that social confirmation that I'm surrounded with just because of the clients and balanced tax accountants is that what is possible, you know, um, and every business journey is different. So just because your business may have started out slow, doesn't mean that it's a failure. It just means it might take you a little bit longer to get to where it is you want to be money-wise. There's other businesses that started and within the first year hit a million dollars. And the thing is, the challenges that the entrepreneurs face around holding the money is different. Um, And so not like business is not linear. (laughs) Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. I'm really curious. So business is not linear. It is definitely ups and downs. And every business and every entrepreneur, every business owner has different ups and downs to experience. And that's where I think the journey of business and also this self-development journey that we decide to go on as entrepreneurs at the same time, (laughs) building a business is just married together. And yeah, um, a lot of when you start a business, it's it's you, it's your energy, you know, and what you're putting into it. It's your processes, your systems, your what did it, whatever it is that you want to sell and who you want to serve. And there is no right or wrong way to get to a wealthy business. And it's very possible. There's no one system that is guaranteed to work because what might work for one business owner, another business owner might get the blueprint and it won't work for them because maybe their human design is different. Maybe their experience or their connections are different. You know, there's so many external factors um, and internal factors in what makes a wealthy, successful business. Mm. So maybe you'll see this question coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, while there is no blueprint for any human um, because everyone's different, everyone's got their own different human design and perhaps we even need to like dip into that at some point, which um, for anyone out there that hasn't heard about human design, I'm probably not going to do it justice, but um, it is really about like your energetic blueprint, Mm -hmm. right? And everyone's own energetic blueprint is different, which I I guess before I dip into that too much, what I would love to hear you speak about, because I feel like you're the expert and the pro here, is can you talk to me about what money is to you, what money means to you and how how that relates mm-hmm. to human design? Like why is it different for each different person? So I view money as a tool. So it has no it has no meaning other than the meaning I assign to it personally. So money inherently is not good and it's not bad. It's, it's a neutral 
source, right? So um, the best example I can give is like a kitchen knife, right? A kitchen knife in and of itself is a neutral source. It's a tool. What makes it, what gives it that energetic charge is the intention that a human puts behind it when they pick up the knife and hold it in their hand. Are they going to use it to create a beautiful meal for their family? Are they going to use it for destruction to hurt someone else? It's the intention behind the tools that you've got in life. Mm -hmm. And so money being a neutral resource, it's how can we use that tool in order to amplify our impact, in order to amplify and to live our purposes, to live these abundant, fun lives and build these wealthy businesses. Um, and so that's how I view money as a tool. And how I've made it work for me is to show up for it really intentionally, really and really abundantly really believe that the sky is the limit. And it's really how much my, my mission with myself is to expand how much I'm able to hold mm -hmm. and where I'm at right now. And what I'm able to hold, what I'm holding and what I'm able to hold and accept more of is going to just, is just going to expand as I continue down my journey, because the universe I feel like is constantly stretching me. <laughs> And it's like, okay, Diana, you're doing good. Now it's time to show up for that next level. It's time for that next lesson. And so, yeah, so money is a tool and it can be used for good. It can be used to circulate wealth within your family, within your business communities. Um, yeah. And who better, who better to have it in the hands of than people who are purpose-led, people who want to make an impact in this world, who better? So if you identify as that, then it 100% belongs in your hands. <laughs> Damn straight. Damn straight, right? More more money in the hands of those who are doing good things in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to come back a little bit to that energetic piece and kind of talking about the energetic blueprint. And I don't even know if you can answer this question, but see how you go. Why, why is the blueprint different for everyone around money? Like why is... Why is it the one thing that works for one person is not going to work for another? Like, oh, that's a big question. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've got answers though. I've got answers. I've got what Amazing. I call yeah. it how I see it. Yeah, please, please <laughs> open my eyes. Okay. So first, just going back to human design, because I think that's a really great perspective to take on that is whatever your design is. So I'm a generator. And so I respond to things that light me up, right? Are you a generator yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So basically like knowing what your energetic blueprint is and how it is that you respond to life and what lights you up, right? Combining that with the real, just awareness of your social conditioning and what the beliefs were around money, around abundance, around finances that you were taught in your home, in school, um, your experience in your workplace, things like that, that has shaped you into the person that you're standing here in this moment as. So I think that the biggest, the first step is self-awareness of where am I at right now? And then, okay, now that I'm, I know where I'm at, I know how my energy shows up best in this world through human design. Where is it that, you, what is going to serve me going forward? And what do I need to shed? What do I need to surrender to? What do I need to embrace more of in order to 
live my best life. And if you show up living your best life, what's going to happen is that is going to have a trickle down effect on everyone around you. Not only just you, but your business friends, your family, your team, and your clients, the, the impact you will actually never know because it's going to be that deep and that wide that you're probably going to pass away before everyone who's impacted by you showing up and living your best life would be able to actually come and tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what I'm hearing in there is me showing up living my best life and giving myself permission to do that kind of like coming back to that oh, that beautiful spark of statements that you said before about like, that's what we're here for. We're here to live a joyful existence. We're not here for struggle. That when we give ourselves permission to live our best life and, and you know, release the belief that we have to struggle, mm-hmm. that that in itself opens up a sort of a wealthy expansion at the that's same right. time. Mm, how? 100%. Why, do, why does it work like that? And how? Because you're in alignment, you're in flow, Mm -hmm. you're coming from a place of joy. And so all of those, all of those things are very high vibrational. And so they attract other things in life and in the universe that are also high vibrational. Mm -hmm. So if you show up with low vibing energy, that's what you're going to attract into your life right? Um, Scarcity mindset, things like that. But when you learn to level up and show up as your highest vibrational self, then that's when you begin to attract and draw in just naturally magnetize all of these abundant things. So interesting. So interesting. One last question that I've got for you, actually, I might have like two more questions, but we're almost, almost done. I'm loving this is, can you talk to me about receiving money because you know that it's one thing that perhaps you are in alignment you're living your most joyful abundant happy high vibration life mm-hmm. and that maybe the universe and life is sending you an abundance of opportunities do you find that there's people who have blocks to actually receiving that though and how to how does one move through those asking for a friend A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I just, I just want to say that this is really common. Okay. And it's because from when we were little, we were taught that it's better to give than to receive who was taught that everyone. Right. And so it comes from this, it comes from this really, I think, well-meaning belief system that our, our culture has and our society has, but it shows up in really unsafe ways when it comes to creating wealth. And so what we have to do is to think about, but is it better to give than to receive? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I would dare say that they're both equal. They're both good to give and to receive. Right. And when I really think that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with holding wealth and holding abundance because they're taught that it's not safe to do that or they don't have a plan for it when the wealth comes in. So there's a lot of examples out there of businesses who have had really quick success and made you know six-figure years really quickly and they don't have any money left in the bank. Where did it go? It's because they didn't feel safe holding it. They didn't trust themselves to hold it. 
Part of it is because I think that they didn't have a plan for it when it came in. And that is part of that intention setting. And it will really take you far as a business owner if you have intentions around your money. And this is part of showing up for it every day, being aware of where it goes, um, just knowing the mechanics of how to build a wealthy business. Because going back to in the beginning of our conversation, those male energy principles of you know, you need to bring in money and spend less than what you make <laughs> are still there, right? That's the world we're operating in. That's how to build a, a wealthy business is to spend less than you make, right? But you've got to also be able to hold it <laughs> in order to spend less than you make. And it just takes practice. It takes practice. So I think that one thing that you can do in order to help yourself trust yourself to hold money is to do small things like carry money with you. How many people have dollar bills sitting in their handbag or in their purse right now? Probably not many because we just tap, tap, tap <laughs> when we pay for stuff. So you can take a $100 bill or a $50 bill. Exactly, yes. And put it in your purse. And just every time you go into your handbag, you see money there. Mm. So you are feeling comfortable around money. Okay. I love yes. that. Little things like me having the dollar bills on my desk and putting them in all of my videos and my photo shoots. It's because I'm telling the universe that I'm I'm very comfortable with money. Yeah. I'm very comfortable talking about money. Yeah. Um, so seeing it um, and also just having intentions for it when it comes in. I would say that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that you can do is have intentions for it when the money comes in. Because when the money comes in and you're not expecting it, you don't know what to do with it. That's a really dangerous place. Because if you don't feel safe to hold it, the first thing you're going to do is spend it. Very interesting. And so spending it is okay, but we want to spend it mindfully, right? Um, we want to spend it with intention. We want to spend it in a way that is going to return profits back to the business, whether they're in two months, six months, or two years down the track. And yeah, so that's a really common thing is to not feel safe holding money. How did you move through the belief that I think a lot of humans hold that it's bad to talk about money. It's bad to flaunt money. Um, it's greedy to have more than you need. Um, and particularly like, I don't know, in the purpose led spiritually open, you know, people who want to do good in the world can sometimes hold that conflicting belief that, you know, in order to be a good person, they can't be talking about money, that they're only here for doing good, not for receiving good. Yeah. How, how did you move through that? I know that that could be a big question as well. How did I move through that? So it's around, sorry, I just had a mind blank. So no, it's around. Right. Um, it's a big question. So it's around. Basically, when you're looking on Instagram, because Instagram is very visual or TikTok, right? And you see another person in your industry or in your in your world that is celebrating something that you want, right? We feel a certain way about it. And so becoming aware of what is triggering you and what feelings are coming up for you is number one. Number two is to say, wow, like celebrate that person because because they are in your 
in your sphere because you're noticing them. What it means is that you are actually an energetic match to what is happening to them. Mm -hmm. Because if you were not, then you would not even be noticing that. Yeah. And so celebrate that person. Celebrate the fuck out of them. (laughs) They're there for a reason. They're not there to piss you off. They're there to inspire. That's right. And if it's possible for them, it is possible for you. The law of oneness. So what is possible for one is possible for all because we are all human. We're all here on this earth. We have lifetimes. We have, you know, ups and downs. We have challenges. We have triumphs. And there is absolutely nothing different about that person that got that thing that you wanted versus you. It's just that they decided to go for it. (laughs) They gave themselves permission. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so feel the feelings that come up. I think that's a really important one and then celebrate the person that is doing the thing that, that may not be aligned to what some of your beliefs were from, from a, from a younger age, but, but if there's that intention to want to shift some of those beliefs away from money being bad and greedy, um, towards something new and more empowering, right? That that's what the process can look like. Feel feel the feeling, celebrate the person. Because how easy is it for us when we see somebody flaunting money or celebrating a million dollar year or a new car or whatever it is that we want, right? How easy is it to say, oh, that's not real. Oh, six figure year. Yeah. But is it profit or is it sales? <laughs> it's so it's so easy yeah. to... to reason it away or to cut it down. You know what I'm saying? And that is not, that is not high vibe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what we want to do is we want to raise our vibration. So that way we can be an energetic match to what it is that they're receiving. Um, And whether or not it's true for them, or if it's just marketing, that's on them. That has nothing to do with us. (laughs) That is on them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, And we've always got a choice in that moment, right? One way or another. 100%. And I guess in a way, when those feelings do come up, be grateful for them because what it is doing is telling you what you want. (laughs) Because if you didn't care about it, then you wouldn't feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think as well, like one that was really helpful for me was unpacking like where that belief came from in the first place that it's bad to talk about money. Mm. Because I know that that was definitely like a big one in our family was you, you you don't talk about your salary you don't talk about money it's a it's a greedy thing or it's you know it's not something that's like socially appropriate or whatever um and just kind of like unpacking the truth behind that like where who said that like who said that to be true and and why mm-hmm. is that the truth and do I want it to be my truth and I think that that unraveling process of you know back to the onion like actually is that just a layer of the onion is that is that my layer or can I shed that and can I come back to what I want to be true for me that's so cool so cool oh my gosh Diana thank you so much I could I could just talk about this all day and I can just see you've got such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and expertise and just want to say like a big thank you again for the beautiful energy that you have brought into my life around like my accounting my business my finances it's just been such a such a beautiful breath of fresh air so thank you so much for being on um before we finish up was there anything else that you wanted to add in there or um can you share with us a little bit like how we could connect with you or where we can find you 
Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I had the best time. I love these conversations around money because it has to start, you know, and who better than for it to start with us and on this platform, because if it's not us, then who's going to do it, you know, Um, because this whole money is taboo and we're not meant to talk about it. That narrative just is not serving us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) we need to let go of that. So thank you so much for having me. I had the best time. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've got my personal Instagram. It's Diana Todd. Also, um, I'm on TikTok. I'm just starting out on TikTok now as well and YouTube. And then also um, my accounting firm is called Balanced Tax Accountants. And so it's balancedtax.com.au or Instagram is at balanced tax. So yeah, we're a full service accounting firm, specialize in entrepreneurs and online business owners who don't know where to start with their business money. And so we set them up with good habits, set them on the right path, make it easy, manageable, organized, and take the stress out of all of that for them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And yes, that you do, that you do. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in my world. And thank you for being on the Sparked podcast. (laughs) Thank you.